Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. Hello, hi. Um, Here we are, and I'm about to pull the curtain back on some slightly embarrassing insights into my life. My goal was just to leak out what makes me insecure, and instead of um, leaking it, I think I might have allowed the dam just to burst open. This episode is based on all the conversations I've had with so many women, ranging from high school all the way to retirement, about the way we see ourselves. And you know, it's not just a woman thing. It's a human thing. The majority of people have a really skewed view of who they are. It's just not accurate. But self-image is a dangerous field, which is why I wanted to shy away from it. Most people don't have a positive view, but then others have an extremely positive view. So where's the balance? What's it rooted in? Why does it seem to get worse as we get older? I don't know, but I'm trying to figure it out. And I kind of feel like we can figure it out together. I'm just learning how we see ourselves feeds how we see our world. So let's talk about it today And No One Told Me How to Like Myself. I was probably around seven when we were walking down the cereal aisle at Kroger after my doctor visit one day, and my brothers kept asking my mom why I had to go to the doctor. I mean, they kept asking and asking. I had gotten a little ahead of them, and before I knew it, They're running up to me, telling me I had to go to the doctor because I was fat. And as if I possibly had to go to the doctor because I was also hard of hearing, they said it again. Mom took you to see our doctor because you're fat. I honestly don't really remember what happened after that. I don't think I cried because years with two older brothers taught me that wasn't the most effective way to handle myself. But I do remember how confused I was. I mean, is that something you actually go to the doctor for? If my mom says it is, then it is. I wasn't even really that upset about it. And as a mom now, I understand the cracking under the pressure of mom, 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 over and over while you're just trying to see if Cheerios are cheaper than the Fruit Loops that week. I'm guessing my mom said something like, we're just checking on her weight to make sure everything's okay. And two adolescent boys heard something completely different. That might have been the first time I realized what I saw in the mirror was a little bit different. But like most girls, it wasn't the last time. I mean, I grew up when low-rise jeans and close-fitting graphic tees were super in, so trust me when I say I had a love-hate relationship with American Eagle, as did my mom with the jean miniskirt she kept hiding and I kept finding all through high school. Clothes didn't quite fit me like they did my best friends, my super skinny best friends, but, you know, I was loud and would just talk enough to keep you distracted from the corduroys that were so tight I am honestly surprised I didn't start a friction fire running to class. But I hit puberty, and I got a smidge taller, and my collarbones actually became visible. And while I still had brothers who liked to point out that the button on my pants might suffer from PTSD, I was genuinely happy. I felt okay most of the time. So by this point, maybe you're wondering why I'm telling you all these very specific details, mainly because I needed to lay some foundation. 
My weight is something I think about a lot, too much, if I'm honest with you. When I was pregnant with Henley, when I found out it was a girl, my immediate prayer was, Jesus, please don't let her see herself like I see myself. I started praying she'd be so firmly rooted in Jesus that the opinions and thoughts and words of others would roll off of her instead of defining her. Slowly, God began teaching me that her view of herself would first be shaped by me at home every single day. Comments like, I look so big in this, and how many chins do I have, and I just feel so gross, could, with time, begin to be the voice Henley heard in her head every time she stood in front of a mirror. You won't hear a lot of positive self-talk from me, but the negative talk, I knew I had to somehow address it before I could raise a girl to, as Jesus told us, was the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. We forget the second half of that verse in Mark 12, at least I do. Let me say it again. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if we go by what Jesus said, which seems like a pretty good idea, we will love people around us as much as we love ourselves. But here's the problem. I didn't really love myself. I don't most days. Some days I don't even really like myself. Actually, I criticize myself more than anything else. So to raise kids who will love people around them well, I'm going to raise kids who understand how loved they are. But here's the thing. How could I teach it if I didn't really know how to do it? How can I fully love people around me if I can't fully love who God created? This isn't a self-help talk. This isn't love yourself, be yourself, look at yourself in the mirror right in the eyes and say, I am so stinking great. Mainly because even the thought of anyone doing that makes me start to sweat a little bit. This is more about figuring out how we don't just hear who God says we are, but we believe it. This is about balancing those truths with the truth that we won't always get it right. Maybe this is taking steps toward the balance of truth and grace. Knowing there are some things in me about me that need to change. But also knowing when God looks at me, He sees more than how I would define myself. Did you ever see those Dove commercials? I think they were Dove. Anyway, they had women sit down with a sketch artist. And first, they had to describe themselves to the artist. And he would draw them based on what they said. And then a complete stranger would walk in and look at the same woman and describe her to the artist again. The artist would hold up these two pictures of the same woman. And the difference was crazy. When they were side by side, they were so different, completely different in some cases. I saw another video, I saw all of these on YouTube, and really, how, how would we really know anything about ourselves without YouTube? Anyway, this video was of moms and their kids. The mom would go into a room, she'd sit in front of a camera, and she would be asked, describe yourself as a mom. And a lot of what these moms had to say were not the greatest descriptors. Um, it was always how they could do something better or how they fell short somewhere. But then the kids would come in one by one and they would sit in front of the same camera and they would be asked to describe their moms. And these moms sounded like superheroes. I give you those examples simply because when we think about ourselves, I'm not even saying when we talk about ourselves, I'm just saying when we think about ourselves, we tend to see what's not right. We tend to see whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually what we're failing at. So by that standard, wouldn't it make sense that if we look at ourselves that way, we're possibly looking at others that way too? Quick to be critical of them because we're so critical of ourselves? Quick to compare? Quick to see fault? And this is where the fine line of grace and truth comes in. 
We are sinners by nature. It just comes naturally. So we should see fault when we look at ourselves. But shouldn't we also be reminded of grace, of God's view of us through the lens of Jesus? We aren't meant to stay the way we are, but we also aren't meant to live feeling less than. I guess what I'm saying is this. When we look at ourselves, we need to see the sin. But we also need to see the redemption, the grace, the forgiveness. And then maybe with time, we'll be a little more forgiving of ourselves. And as a byproduct, more forgiving of the people around us, more understanding, more open, maybe more vulnerable. When our worth is no longer tied up in how we look, what our job is or isn't, what we have or don't have, all of a sudden, we're free to not just be okay with ourselves, but maybe to even like ourselves. And that same freedom is what allows us to love the people around us, no matter how they look, what they do, or how they act. So how do we do it? How do we change the way we think about ourselves? Because in my experience, it may not be as loud as it was when I was younger, but good gravy is it more consistent. I didn't know who I am would begin taking root in a Kroger cereal aisle. And I didn't know I would grow up in a daily battle of avoiding mirrors and cameras instead of appreciating the health and function of a body that can actually do a lot. But if I'm so focused on what I'm not, I'll never be able to focus on who I am and how God wants to use who He created for a purpose He designed. So here are three steps I'm trying now to change my perspective and sharpen my ability to love well. Number one, stop. I know, this isn't exactly earth-shattering. I get it. But this word has to have more power in our lives than at an intersection. Allowing the continued negative self-talk based on past failures, tighter pants, or unsolicited opinions will only continue the merry-go-round that is finding our value outside of the one who gave us value to begin with. So stop. Recognize the pattern and refuse to participate. Ask for discernment, then practice it. Evaluate every thought through one filter. Would Jesus say this about me? Number two, do something. Too much focus on myself paralyzes me. So if, like me, you wanted to throw the scale out the window into a river to be slammed into by a carnival cruise liner, I don't know why the cruise liner is actually in a river, but it doesn't matter. This is my dream, people, okay? Then maybe if that's the problem, let's figure out how we can fit in more exercise in the week, maybe several times a week, and develop an awareness, a vague awareness at times of what you're eating. If it's your job that you're struggling with, write down what your current job description is, and then write down what you might one day want it to be. Work toward the new job description. If it's relational, choose to live in joy, knowing we're created for community. It's okay to crave that. It's okay to want that. We were made for relationships. And when we're willing to stop waiting on someone to call us to hang out and instead become the one to engage with those around us, we might be uncomfortable for like a second, but the payoff of that one second is hundreds, thousands, millions of seconds with people we grow to love. And if that thing that beats you down is rooted in the past, if it requires forgiveness, then ask. And once you've done that, leave whatever it is there in the past. And number three, love someone. I know it sounds cheesy, but the freedom that comes with finally settling into yourself rips off the lock and swings wide the gates of our ability to love the people around us well. When I push my focus outward, 
When I refuse to be trapped by the what I'm nots and instead genuinely care about people, well, the what I'm nots cast a smaller shadow. Maybe that's a text to someone fighting their way through some uncertainty. Maybe it's Venmoing five bucks for a hot coffee to your friend in Colorado. Does anyone actually live in Colorado? I don't really know why that was the first state to come to mind, but you get what I'm saying. My point is be creative, be thoughtful, and just see how taking the focus off of me and letting it be more about we can change your everyday life. So yeah, while these steps aren't going to be on a plaque anywhere, they're helping me move from the girl who will wait for affirmation to someone who wants to give affirmation to everyone around me. From the girl who waits to see how buttoning my pants will feel before knowing how my day will go to someone who is deciding joy will define my day. I want to go from the girl who would let the criticism of myself become a critical view of my world to someone who will ask every single day for a clear view of who God says I am and live in it knowing He has enough grace for me and for everyone else around me. I won't get it right every time. And sometimes the effort to feel differently won't seem like it's worth it. But if I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, then I figure it's about time I get to work. And if that's you too, then know you're in the company of many. And just think what we could do if we stopped saying we can't and lived in the full knowledge of, okay, maybe we can't, but we sure are going to try. Knowing what life could look like if we all lived in the freedom to love ourselves and overwhelmingly love the people around us. Now, that's a world I want my kids growing up in. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or... You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.